Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hi, everyone. Harvey Asher, sexaholic. I've been sexually sober 37 years and 10 months. And uh, before we get going on the third step and the third tradition, I want to tell you why I'm a little delayed. As I was pasting blocks on my computer screen, so I wouldn't see how many people are attending. This disease never leaves. It has all kinds of manifestations. Lust and sex are some of the easier ones. But the ego manifestation, which we're hopefully going to connect today, on ego, E-G-O, easing God out, whatever God means, it only gets bigger. And each day, if I don't develop more tools in my toolbox to Beat down the ego. You start believing myths, stories. You believe that because you have a certain amount of years, you're better. (laughs) No, this disease is incurable. And one of the ways it manifests is if the previous week a lot of people show up and the following week less people show, whether it's one person or 20 people or 100 people, it won't matter to the ego. The ego will do what it does so well. It puts us down. I'm not enough. I didn't do it well enough. I'm not good enough. And once that peace gets in, lust and acting out isn't far beyond behind. So this brings us into a step in a tradition that is so important for knocking down the ego. 
you know, I have the most sobriety in SA for a man. In, in SA, that it's a very dangerous place. It could make me think I'm different. No, it only means one thing. I have not acted out in the past 24 hours, and I haven't died. That's how you become an old timer. You don't act out for 24 hours, and you don't die. There's no big deal, no big specialty. So to begin this, I want us, Daniel, do you have the picture of, I want to show you a very humble man who never would let his picture get taken. Someone sent this to me not too long ago. <laughs> this is our founder, Roy Kay. This is Roy. This is the man God chose to start SA. This is the man who wrote single-handedly the SA book. This is the vessel. And each of us are the vessels. How do we become a vessel? A vessel is empty. It's empty. There's nothing in a vessel. Vessels can be tubes, pipes that are opened on both sides. It's empty. How can we pass the message if we're full already? So they, the steps are a way for us to get empty, to be able to be filled with only one thing, spirit, spirituality. Some people call it love. Some people call it God. Some people have special names for God. Some people call it joy. Some people call it life. But we're aiming for the one thing we never want because we're so afraid of it, to be empty. We confuse it being lonely. We confuse it with everything, with nothing on nothing. If I'm empty, 
And yet that's where we're going, to be empty. Well, I forgot to put one, put a piece of tape on my other side of my computer. <laughs> Excuse me while I get a little empty. <laughs> the ego will always find something, let me tell you. <laughs> Okay, so I want to talk about this emptiness and what's the best way to talk about emptiness. It's not through words, but through music and words that go along with music. This music is spiritual. It bypasses the brain. Anything that bypasses my brain is spiritual. This my brain is an enemy. It tells me false messages. So, Daniel, could you play that song for us, please?
as you could see, this is not an essay meeting. This is a workshop. And as you can tell, this was not essay approved literature or music. <laughs> it was written in about 1945. at a time in the world that was totally catastrophic. And Rogers and Hammerstein wrote this for a show that called Carousel. And the show was about an addict. someone who drank too much and caroused too much. And, and this was what ended the show. And this is what the third step and the third tradition does. We have been walking through a storm since we have been children. The confusion, the not understanding why we were behaving and thinking the way we were thinking when we were told by everyone, don't do that, don't think that, you'll go to hell or you won't go to heaven or bad things will happen. And we got more and more alone. Now I'm going to share with you a problem of the third tradition that discusses the membership requirement. In the third tradition of the AA book, it is very different than the third tradition in our membership requirement. One of the few things that differ radically in the original AA 12-step program and ours. They did change a bit the membership requirement in AA, where they first said the only requirement is an honest desire to stop drinking. And later on, it became a desire to stop drinking. They stopped the word honest. Because as addicts, we can't do anything honestly in the beginning, especially. Who are we kidding? <laughs> We're so dishonest, we think we're honest. <laughs> I would be in a motel with somebody in the afternoon, but I go to a bar and put my foot in the bar, never go in it. So when I got home and my wife said, oh, what did you do this afternoon? 
I didn't have to lie. Oh, I went to this bar. <laughs> didn't tell her. I was in some hotel room with some guy because I'm an equal opportunity sex addict. I'll do it with men just like with women. And so here we are where it says the only requirement is the desire to stop drinking. But SA doesn't say that. It says a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. Most people, I'd venture, if I had to guess, 80% of people who show up at SA have no intentions of stop lusting, no desire to stop lusting. They do have a desire to stop acting out. Why? Because you get consequences from acting out. But letting go of lust, we'd be empty. We'd be nothing. How could we get aroused? How could we do normal living if we don't have lust? Now, the third tradition tells us in the 12 and 12 book that anyone could be a member of AA. And they do it through stories, which we could learn a lot from. One of the stories in the third tradition is this guy came to a meeting. He was probably a cross-dresser, gay cross-dresser. This was in 1937, 36. And the people in New York were aghast. How can we let him in? What will people think of us? We can't let him be a member. And finally, someone stood up and said, how can we let this man die? We need to let him in. He became one of their major missionaries for AA. <laughs> he brought lots of people in. And then story number two is about Ed. Ooh, Ed was an atheist. Oh my God, an atheist. How can we let an atheist in? in a program that talks about God? Not only was Ed an atheist, every chance he got, he put the God idea down. And this went on for years. 
And the people were all but praying for them to get drunk and get the hell out of there because they tried getting him to stop coming to AA. They actually tried to get him to stop. And he looked at them and he said, our requirement is a desire to stop drinking and I have a desire to stop drinking. You can't kick me out. And yet, there are countries and places in America and in, in Asia and other places, they don't lift women in their meetings. Or they don't want certain people in their meetings. And we wonder why there is such poor re recovery in SA, why there is so much relapsing. Can you imagine if someone came to one of our holy, holy meetings and said, I don't believe in God? I hear it sometimes, the responses of people. They don't even want people who don't use a special word name for God in their meetings. We, the most tolerated, become the most intolerant. But we're not talking about the fact no one could be kicked out. You, you can be kicked out of a meeting possibly <laughs> if you're coming in and you're disrupting and you've gotten psychotic and they ask you to leave for that meeting, but you can't be kicked out of that saying. Thank God, thank goodness. I'm not talking about that piece right now. There's an S.A. I'm talking about you will never walk alone as long as you exclude yourself from our SA membership requirement about lusting. You will continue to feel alone. You will continue to live a life like I used to live, where I always felt like an outsider looking in. Even with my own children, my own family. I always knew I was from a different universe until I came to AA and then SA, and I sat in a room of people who are from many different, different universes. And I finally felt at home. So what do people do? 
an essay because they don't want to accept that part of the membership. They convince other people it's not important. All oh, it will take time and this and that. Oh, don't worry about it if you take three looks at that woman. Don't worry about it if your head's swiveling all the time. We reinforce aloneness. And then we wonder why people come and go at the unbelievable rates they do in essay. Nowhere in the first step does it mention acting out. It only mentions the word lust. We're not talking religious lust. We're talking about what goes on in our head, the acting out in our head. I am so ill that if I ever let the first photograph go intentionally into a motion picture, you don't want to know me if I let that happen. I'm a low bottom drunk. I can't afford lust because I'm allergic to lust. I'm not allergic to sex. I have sex with my wife. But let me live in lust, even with my own wife, it will just gradually creep in. The active disease. So, let's take the word desire and go into another D word in the third step. The third step says we had the, we made a decision. D, decision. And where does that word come from in the big book? After, basically, it says, having been convinced, we're at step three. Having been convinced, we're at step three. Convinced of what? What do we have to be convinced of? The one thing most of you will not accept. That you have an incurable illness. That you are allergic. And I won't say you. That I am allergic to lust. And I will take it to my grave. Once a cucumber becomes a pickle, it will never go back to being a cucumber again. 
most men and women are not allergic to lust. Most men and women are not allergic to alcohol. I am. That's simple. I am convinced. So we make a decision. One of the rare times I guess I'm going to do this is I need to go into actually the AA book to kind of prove this, this concept. And it's on page. It's on... Page 60, okay, page 60, it says, being convinced we were at step three. Two pages later, <laughs> out of nowhere, two pages later, it says, we were now at step three. I thought we were at step three on page 60. No, it says on page 63, we are now at step three. And that's when they give us the third step prayer. What happened between being convinced we were at step three and them saying we were now at step three. What happened during those pages? <laughs> it's two total, even more pages of knocking out our true problem, thinking we're God. Man, all this God stuff's wild. You say you believe in God. Bull! How can we believe in God when we think we're God? We could control things. We could do, make our family respond certain ways. We can lust and get away with it. We're God. So it says, the first requirement is that we are convinced any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. And it actually then goes on to say, first, we had to stop playing God. The next page, it talks about our selfishness and self-centeredness. And it finally says, this is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. We cannot make a decision to turn our life and will over to the care of God when we're playing God. It's all programming. You go to church, a synagogue, a mosque, you go to a temple, 
God this, God that. All programming. Because you still think you're God. Ah, if I just say the right prayer, God won't have me arrested by the police. We're so busy controlling God, not realizing we're playing God. We're so busy thinking that without us, the world will not go on. <clears throat> Sandy Beach, heard, I heard this morning on one of his talks, Sandy Beach said, um, <laughs> what is the only cause of death? There's only really one true cause of death. And he said, birth. <laughs> the second you're born, you're going to die eventually. A great king said this thousands of years ago. <laughs> now, if we're rich, if we're poor, if we're bad, if we're good, we're all going to turn to dust. We're just human beings. How do we make a decision? Now, by the way, I want to tell you how I prepared today for this talk today. I listened to a 59-minute talk of Sandy Beach early in the morning. I went to a essay meeting for an hour, <laughs> came here. How do I prepare? I prepare by getting my medication for the day. Without my taking medicine, you don't want to know what I'm thinking or saying. I have an incurable disease that needs medication every day just as if I would have diabetes. No matter how well you take your insulin the day before and you have severe diabetes, you better take it the next day too. You start from scratch. So how can we make a decision Daniel, can you put up that last picture I sent you, the, the Chinese one? You can't see the bottom, but Roy has a story about this. It's a little different take, but the guy, if he climbs up the cliff, he fell off the cliff. If he climbs up the cliff, the tiger eats him. You can't see, but there's nothing under his feet. If he drops, if he leaves go, 
of the twig, he'll fall to its death. But if you blow the picture up, you will see what happened. He found some strawberries on the cliff and he's eating the strawberry and the smile on his face. This is the best strawberry I've ever eaten. He is in the moment. He's not in, will the tiger eat me or will I drop thousands of feet to my death? He's enjoying the strawberry, the moment. Now, the decision is a decision step. And many of you have heard me say this over and over again. If there are three frogs on a log in the middle of a river and one frog decides to jump off, how many frogs are left? Three. They just made a decision. No one jumped. No one left the lawn. They just made a decision. First of all, how do you decide to turn everything over to the universe? To let go of everything, your life and your will. How do you do that? Especially when they use the word God, the care of God. When so many of us have been programmed, you better watch out. You better <laughs> I'm telling you why. He's watching you. If you're naughty or nice, he's watching you. And if you're not nice, you know what's going to happen to you. We're supposed to turn our life and will over to a punishing image. Has it ever worked to stop our addiction? Ever. Trust needs to come from knowing what we discussed last week in tradition two, a loving God. manifested in our group conscience. I first need to learn to let go to the program. You all have tried time again, and me too, to turn it at first just to God.
And why does that get us? It got us into being alone, thinking God's not hearing us. He doesn't care about us. My God cared so much about me. He watched me in the pornos. He watched me with uh, hundreds of people I had sex with. And he loved me so much, he brought me to this program. I say this every week. What more proof do we need? Of a caring higher power who manifests through us. My sponsor, Jess, would say he needed God with skin. I need to hear God through you all. And my sponsor, this when I hear him in my head, man, am I in trouble. This God is something I hear in my heart. My head is contaminated. with belief that, oh, God must think it's okay because I got away with it that last week I could do it again. This week, he must think it's okay. Or in reverse, someone I know, their wife recently became ill, and my immediate response to him. Don't go back to your old ways that you think God's punishing you for what you used to do by making your wife sick. That's really power, man. I am so great that God's going to hurt someone else to get me. I can't believe I've spoken this long. I'm going to leave time for questions, answers. Um, We make a decision to do what? How do we turn our life and will over to the to? a caring God by doing step four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and we get more and more awakenings. Step three is in the 12 and 12 is called the step of willingness to turn the knob, to put the key in the door. And I want to end this with the thought I had the other day. Thoughts are dangerous, but I know it's a, 
okay thought because I didn't think about it. That's how I know. Sometimes things just pop up out of nowhere. And I'll say, how come I never saw that before? Because it didn't come from my head. What was the thought for essay? It was a particular essay thought. <coughs> it was if people continue to be drunk on lust, even though they could say they're sexually sober, how can an intoxicated person really make a decision? It's very hard making decisions after you've had a pint of booze <laughs> or enough pot <laughs> or something. The importance of the third step comes after the first step. I am powerless over lust and my life becomes unmanageable. Uh, those of you who keep coming back, you've been very kind because in American language, we have a, uh, how does the expression go? Uh, a one-track pony. You hear me say the same thing over and over from different angles. It's always about lust. Rarely is it about acting out. You do not act out if you first don't have lust. Roy keeps saying that in the book. Again, we're not talking religious lust. We're talking about the motion pictures in our head. And for people who follow basketball, I don't usually. But a basketball player who has made wonderful three-shot points, he has done it in his head so many times alone that when he's on the court, there is no difference. The brain doesn't know it's real or unreal. That's what happens with those moving pictures in our head. We actually, the brain thinks it's real. And then when we actually act down on it, and I had a call like this once, a guy called me after he got caught in a sting. And he said, I knew it could have been a sting, but I had to do it anyway. And I said, yes, because you had done it so many times in your head. How do I know that? That's, that's what I used to do. I'm not talking down to anybody. I still wear a rubber band on my wrist. For any, any thoughts. 
Lust isn't a big issue for me today. It could be. It's waiting. But it's not for me today. Just like alcohol is not for me today. But it's those thoughts. And yes, I'm ready for the quietness. I'm not afraid of the empty. And in all this, it says in the big book, God is everything or it's nothing. Everything does not just mean our God who art in heaven. It means the God in the steps, the God in this room, the God in me. There is nothing else but God. But I can never experience it when I'm still playing God, which I still do many and many times, but I'm catching it faster. <laughs> Progress, not perfection. Love you all. Let's do some questions and answers. Thanks, Harvey. So just a reminder that we are being recorded. And if you don't want to be on the recording, to send me the question in chat privately. And uh, please try and keep the questions related to what we're talking about today, which is the third step decision, the third tradition, um, and anything around that. Go ahead, Hadassah. Hey, Harvey. Thank you so much. I'm a little nervous to ask the question. But um, so, my experience was that my complete and total willingness to completely let go of lust only came when I worked a step six and seven. And so my question is, what was I doing wrong that it only came at those steps? Like I thought I had such a strong step three, but I only was able to fully let go of all my hidden bottles at step six and seven. Thank you. Hadassah, wonderful. Question, I would like to help you eliminate the word wrong. That's a program word. Who defines wrong? It was your path. My sponsor would say, Harvey, if you missed even one of those things you did, you wouldn't be ready for where you are today. They're part of our path. Where do these programmed thoughts come from that always tell us we're not good enough, we're not doing it well enough? And I still have those thoughts, so I wouldn't be blocking the numbers that are here today. The difference is I'm more aware today that these were all programmed into me by society, government, family, religion. You go inside. And I'll end with this piece for this. I go to a yoga class about four or five times a week and we had this brand new yoga instructor 
the other day and he got up and he said, this is the first class I've ever taught. <laughs> I said, oh, my God. <laughs> and he then said, all of you are going to want to do this perfectly. He said, there is no such a thing. See, when we know we're not God, we know we're not going to do it perfectly. But then he said, but what is perfect? Doing the best you can during this session. You're doing that perfectly. Remember, everyone, I do not speak for SA. These are only my opinions. And I forgot to tell you how I have, I choose to work my program when I go to yoga. If the guy was a potential trigger, most of my instructions are female to the males. And an old thought came to my head. And I had such relief as I realized it was this. The guy must have been six, five, six, seven. It was the same thought I had as a eight or nine year old with my Sunday school teacher and his wife, who was a teacher. And I had such relief to observe how all this computer stuff is merely computer memories that are meaningless. And I had a wonderful session. Yes, next question. Go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, hello. Um, my question concerns the, the third um, tradition and the membership requirement, the, actually the, this, uh, the definition of sobriety. Um, actually, I personally, I'm fine with the definition. I can live with it. But I still wonder uh, often why, um, I mean, there are in many countries today, there are same-sex marriages. So um, why is it that, um, that the definition is exactly this way and that, for instance, same-sex cannot be sober in a same-sex marriage. I often wondered, and I never found any piece of literature in AS about the discussions that were that that went on before the the definition was uh, was decided, and and nobody can nobody talks about it uh, to me. I mean, I, I I asked two or three old timers, and they they were somehow reluctant to to answer. And I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to question it or discuss it. I just want to understand. This is why I ask. Thank you. Um, it's a very simple answer. This is a very homophobic fellowship. But it's the only fellowship that's worked for me. <laughs> I mean, it works for me. <laughs> we can pretty it up all we want. In my opinion, it's a homophobic fellowship. What can I tell you? 
But to answer your question, this was one of the most dangerous issues that had been used and used for decades, ever since I've been in, to distract us from the real problem that no one wants to define. They're so busy defining marriage, they don't want to define what is sex with self. So instead of worrying about why we do this, why we don't, <laughs> be concerned about how you define sex with self. When it comes to what did the fellowship do? We had all kinds of things. We even had lawyers. about this, and ultimately, Roy owned the book, and now his family owns the book. Essay does not own the essay book, so we have no control over what it says. I have made a surrender. I love SA. This is a program that has kept me sober. And so when a gay people come in to meetings, I will say you are always welcomed. But if you're having sex with a partner, you will not be called sober. But you can gain a lot from our fellowship. But I suggest you also go to some of the other fellowships where you can't say you're sober. Because if you think this is only about the gay issue, you're missing it. <laughs> because there are people who live heterosexually have never got married in this program. We tend not to talk about it. They say, oh, my partner, my spouse, What is the program about? Me staying sober. And if you notice, my last talk was on tradition too, and it's about unity. And I would like this fellowship to continue. And thank God there are other fellowships that people could attend. And I need SA. And the worst thing I could do is disrupt what is the unity. And if people don't like it, they could go to the fellowships. What can I say? Okay. And that's coming from a guy. <laughs> I've had sex everywhere. <laughs> if we're not careful, it becomes an outside issue. Why would I say that? 
And by the way, this is one of the first times I'm ever talking about this in public. Why would I say it's an outside issue? Because it's not only essay that has this problem. <laughs> Countries have it. Religions have it. Religions have split over this issue. It's an outside issue. And be careful of outside issues. It will destroy our fellowship. And we will get to that tradition eventually. Now, I want to say one other thing that has nothing to do with gayness. It has to do with our sobriety. It's all relative. In other fellowships, you could masturbate and say you're sober. Everything is made up. If you're looking for truth, man, I wish you luck. What are you going to <laughs> believe newspapers or TV shows or your parents? <laughs> Truth is a perception. But I have accepted this definition. I made a decision to turn my life over to this definition, which is not strong enough for me. So I have upgraded my definition since I would have sex too often with my wife. Part of my sobriety includes how often I can have sex with my wife. It includes not going to intentionally into a shower room where there are other men who won't be dressed. That is a loss of my bottom line sobriety. And if I walk into a pornography store, other than to pull someone out, that's a, and I never even see something or do something, that's a loss of my sobriety. I don't know anyone else who adds that to theirs. But I've had to come to terms with progressive victory over lust. And what is my sobriety definition? And you and everyone else will have the same challenge. Thanks, Harvey. I remember hearing that very early on in my uh, sobriety when I was listening to recordings from you. And I put um, just any, any form of putting any kind of a lust search into the address bar of an internet and I would lose my sobriety, even if I don't press enter. Same concept. Um, we, we have a question here in the chat um, talking about uh, changing my will and my life in the third step to my thoughts and my actions. Um, and that's helped me practically work step three. How have you practiced surrendering your thoughts and actions over to your higher power? <laughs> I'm a very concrete guy. The moment I wake up, I hit my knees <laughs> and I do the third step prayer. <laughs> God, it's yours. I don't even know sometimes if I believe in God. At least the God I was taught to believe in by my mother. <laughs> this is a God that 
If I didn't eat my food, all my food, God would punish me. <laughs> so I hit my knees and I do the third step. Upon awakening, my sponsor was very strict about that in AA. He said, once you do that in the morning, then everything that happens that day was supposed to have happened. And you don't complain about it. It was exactly the way it was supposed to be. And he'd use the term, and it's just right. Now, do I take it back? Yeah. And I get uncomfortable. Sandy Beach, this talk this morning he gave, was saying, we actually think we're in control of what happens. Oh, if only I did that differently, that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> and he says, no, we don't have free will. The only free will we truly have is saying, I give you my life and my will. <laughs> Who could have ever dreamt of our past two years with COVID? Who could have ever extrapolated that there would be sober people who have never been to a face-to-face -face meeting. Who would have ever extrapolated these Zoom meetings we have that have connected us throughout the world into one? And we think we're in control? Next question. Go ahead, Jan. Hi, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Harvey. Um, so, no, Harvey. I, I want to say one more thing to Daniel. Daniel, I did. I shortchanged that answer. I think I demonstrated by putting three tags on my screen. My letting go to God. I cannot stop my ego. I can't make it go away. You can't use ego to control ego. And so I was able to say, God, I can't stand worrying about this. And then somewhere along the way, the thought came, put tape on your screen so you can't see the numbers of people. And then the ego came in. No, Harvey, you can't do that. What will happen if you don't know? You might not do this and that. And the whole snowball starts. And that's how I know I need to do it. When the brain starts telling me, oh, no, this will happen and that will happen. Okay, let's go back to you. That was such a great answer. I want to write it down. Uh, oh, such a great comment. Uh, so thank you. Um, yeah, so 
it's uh, one of the first things you said. The steps are there to make us empty so that we can be filled with one thing and spirituality. So uh, I found, even in myself and a lot of people that I know, uh, that uh, the idea that is you know, uh, mostly present is that I need to sort out my relationship or my uh, perspective of a higher power. I have to sort that out first before I start the steps. But at this point, I don't really agree. I think you start the steps and then you figure it out along the way. But I just wanted to, um, you know, hear your your opinion on specifically uh, that line of questioning. Because I think you did answer it like through your, uh, you know, through your talk. But I just wanted it in a, a little more condensed uh, version. You can't figure it out. Because the word figure it out means you're using your brain. How do you use your brain for something that is out of time and space? We can't conceptualize. The brain's not capable. How do we conceptualize how our heart's pumping? We're not telling our heart to pump. We're not telling our lungs, lungs to move, inhale and exhale. How do, you, how do you figure out what's happening to you when you hear beautiful music? This is all our programming, that everything could be solved with the brain. I have a lot of education behind me. And my AA sponsor, who had a high school education, would say, Harvey, someday your intelligence might catch up to your education. Some of the greatest disasters in the world comes from the intellect. War. And we want to depend on our brain. Now, going back to Daniel's question, too, I also hit my knees at night before I go to bed. And I have God take care of my evening, my sleep. I also, throughout the day, have a very special type of communication with my higher power. Gratitude lists throughout the day. I'm thanking a power that I can't understand. Throughout the day, if I'm in gratitude, then I don't have to figure anything out. But we can't see the gratitude because our intelligence, our brain, Blocks it. I gave an example, I think it was last week on this workshop or in other meetings. You go into a home, you go into a room, 
There's beautiful furniture, beautiful lights, the painting, everything. You go and you see all this beautiful stuff. What's the one thing you don't see when you walk in that room? The space. <laughs> you don't see the space. When you hear a beautiful symphony, you don't recognize their space between the notes, or it wouldn't be a beautiful symphony. It would just be noise if there were no space between the notes. Next question. Oh, let's end and continue the question so we could say an ending and then people who want to stay later can. I'll still stay on. Okay? Sure. Absolutely. You want to lead us out with the prayer of your choice? No, you pick one. I think we have to do the we version of the third step prayer. Okay. God. God, we offer ourselves to you to build with us and to do with us as thou wilt. Relieve us of the bondage of self that we may better do your will. Take away our difficulties, the victory over them may bear witness to those we may help. Your power, your love, and your way of life. May we do your will always. So as Harvey said, we're going to keep on going. That's just allowing for people, if they want to feel like they've come to an ending, uh, we're going to go on for at least 15 to 25 minutes probably. So uh, go ahead, Tom. Tom, are you able to unmute? Tom F. No. All right, let's try John. Go ahead, John. Thanks, Daniel. And Harvey, thank you uh, so much. I've, there was, you did a, um, a, uh, a Zoom thing several months ago and I got on it and I asked a question and I, um, I talked about what had happened to me as a kid, um, with my mother. I don't know if I'm jogging your memory, but my mom sexually abused me and, um, I was neglected as a child and I was tormented by my father before he died, uh, when I was nine. And, um, it was a pretty traumatic upbringing. And, um, as you might imagine, um, I uh, kind of pissed off at God <laughs> um, and I considered myself, I've considered myself an atheist most of my life. And the problem with that being a true sexaholic is that I'm going to die if I don't find God. <laughs> I absolutely have come to believe that. Um, I've been trying for 22 years to, to make it. Um, I've got 16 days of sobriety today, and I probably never really had much sobriety prior to January 10th. Um, I've tried the other S fellowships and, um, I, I really appreciate what you had to say about what makes SA SA. Um, I, I have through a lot of trial and error and pain come to realize that 
lust is my problem and I have to, I have to over, I, I have to give that up. I have to surrender every time I get a thought in my mind. Cause like you, if I let it go, you don't want to know me. I don't have a slippery slope. I've got a cliff that I fall off. And if I let myself entertain a thought, I will go out there and do horrific things to myself, which could put myself in danger of losing my life. So I got step one. <laughs> um, step two, I've worked on for a long time, a couple of years. I finally realized I had to, I had to get off my little island and, and say, how can I get a higher power in my life? And I was trained in science. I believe in physics. In fact, the reason why I have the picture of the Milky Way galaxy behind me is that's how I come to understand higher power. You know, something that created our universe 14 billion years ago that has, through evolution and precise physical laws, has led to the creation of this beautiful thing. So, my dilemma here, and I'll try and wrap it up and make it a, put the question out there. I, I believe that I've come to believe in a power greater than myself. I have to believe that it can restore me to sanity, but I have no idea how it can restore me to sanity because I don't believe that I don't believe in the direct intervention of, of this higher power in my life. Um, maybe that's what has to change, but so I'm stuck on step three, you know, how do I, turn my will and my life over to the care of this God as I understand this God. John, John, you're stuck on step two. Okay. You have not accepted your insanity. I'm insane. Oh, I know I'm insane. (laughs) No, well, what I mean by that is when you accept your insanity, you don't have to worry about God. You worry about a higher power restoring you to sanity. And at first, that's my sponsor. That's the group. Whatever my sponsor says, I do. But it's not going to work well because, like I said to Hadassah about the word wrong, You have a word you've used time and again that will block this from working. I have to. Has I've have to ever worked before? I watched not too long ago, someone who's waiting for some possible jail time. It's not going to stop them. When that word becomes, I want to. When the want, now want is a desire. Have to is a command. We do not do well with commands as apps. That's why the book is based on suggestions. Also, you're convinced you took step one. You won't know that for a long time. That's possibly, I don't know you, John, so don't take anything I say personally. 
But that's part of the insanity. To think I got it. I wish you well, but man, I just have, in quotes, have a daily reprieve. So it's going to be hard to get a higher power when you're still in. I have to. You're still trying to control. Okay, I'm using you as an example. Again, it's not nothing about you. <laughs> I don't know you. But I'm so used to hearing these words that tend not to work for people. God, what a miserable life I live if I have to do this. If I had to come to a meeting. If I had... Man, I have found something so wonderful that I want to. I want, well, maybe I'm not, I want to as well. My sponsor doesn't have to tell me to go to meetings. I go to two or three meetings a day. Stop the word have to. Just erase it. Erase it. And start plugging in. That's what my sponsor had to work with me. I used to say to him, I I have certain profession. And I would say, oh, I have to hang up now. I got to go do my work. And he'd say, no, Harvey, you don't have to if you're willing to have the consequences. Once you plug in the word, he'd say, you, I want to go now. It's, it just changes the whole paradigm. I want to not be alone again. I want to walk through the storm with other people who have gone that way before. I love this. If we don't love this program, then it's just one of many other things that we've tried to do. This program is not about lust. Or sex. It's about joy and comfort. And if we don't get the joy and comfort, now it's going to be very hard for you because you're going to go through detox for quite a while. You're going to be restless, irritable, and discontented for quite a while because you're going to go through withdrawal. We've all had to do it, but most people will not name it what it is. I'm going through drug detox. Those fantasies give us enormous amount of endorphins. You know, we could, I won't get into too explicit, but kind of explicit. We, we do certain things in marriage or certain ways. We're holding our arms. And we don't realize we got pain until it's over. There's so much endorphins shooting up. We don't know we're uncomfortable. You take those endorphins away and you're left with the what? Is there a God? Isn't there a God? I have to do this or this will happen. You're left with all this discomfort instead of saying, you know, 
this isn't easy. I'm going through withdrawal. I've had difficulty going through withdrawal in the past. I need help. And keep it real simple for the next 24 hours. Harvey, we have a question that's come up from a couple of people in the chat uh, when we're talking about the only requirement for membership um, without getting too much into current situation around the world, the many countries that are not allowing people in if they haven't been double vaccinated or whatever. What what are those groups that are, you know, face-to-face? -face, what what can they do when it comes to not letting people come in because they're not double vaccinated? How do you know if they're vaccinated or not? How does anyone know? It's all in the, sh the shops. You have to show your vaccine certificate. It's, uh, you know, so Europe... Oh, in Europe, in your AA meetings, you have to show your vaccinated certificates. Well, to go into certain shops, you you, you can't get in without oh, showing your vaccine. They're talking about meetings. They're talking about meetings, and they're asking what do they do with this third tradition of the only requirement when all of a sudden the government adds this additional requirement to be in a closed room only if you're vaccinated. I mean, it's come from two different people in Europe, so I guess it's a hot topic at the moment. Yes, and I don't have the experience, strength, and hope because I go to face-to-face -to -face meetings. I've had my three vaccinations. I've had two vaccinations in my booster. And I made a decision that I have done all I can to wear my mask in public, uh, but I go to face-to-face AA meetings. Uh, I'm in Florida, so some of them are outside. So I don't even wear a mask. I can't tell you the comfort I have of knowing I did what I was told to do. Get two vaccinations and a booster. And the rest is up to the universe for me. But I can't answer that. Uh, naturally, you have to be honest. And if you're concerned about it, and if it's breaking a law, then you, you say, well, I'll go to some Zoom meetings. No big deal. I'm doing, I do all my essay meetings on Zoom. I do my AA meetings face to face. It's choice. And if the law says it, what can you do? So you follow it. And you do Zoom. No one's going to lose their sobriety unless they want to go to a Zoom meeting. <laughs> Although sometimes I'm telling you, there'll be people on Zoom laying in bed. <laughs> doing their Zoom meeting. And let me tell you, I have to change my, my screen. <laughs> We're a bunch of sex addicts. What do we expect? <laughs> I, I was in an AA meeting last week, uh, an open AA meeting, and this lady was sitting in the jacuzzi, so I guess it's not just an essay <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God.
if we don't laugh, we'll cry, right? Let's have the next question. Uh, yes, yeah, so we don't have any more hands up. I've got one last question in the chat talking about people getting stuck on step three for a long time um, and wondering if one can advance to the next step if they've not turned their will to God. Are they willing not to play God? The real question is, am I willing not to play God? To let go of control. And when they do that, then they ask their sponsor. And whatever the sponsor says, they do. That's the surrender to a power greater than yourself. G-O-D, good orderly direction. I have such fun with that word, God. You, you get in a room of people who are in the same religion, in the same church or synagogue or mosque, and you use the word God and put them separate, and you ask them your, their perception. If there are 10 people, there's a good chance once they give a name and they try to explain it, the name might be the same, but their perspective of the name, you'll have different opinions, different concepts. It's the same thing with all these words, love, faith, truth. We use words like they really have meaning. Well, you ask two countries who are at war with each other, their definitions of truth and faith and God, God's on my side, on our side. Now, I do have a higher power. I do call him God. But in my journey, it's been very different. My God's gotten less personal and much bigger. Just my own personal uh, journey. Other people, that God gets more personal. Mine has gotten less personal a more universal, more cosmic. I have such glory when I think of how my body works and what power created multi-universes that keep moving and going. Wow. I am so small compared to a power that is greater than myself. Now, I've said that, but even though he's, it's gotten much bigger, it's also what's in me. I've gotten much less 
I'm total God. I am the wave in the ocean. God is the ocean. And you're another wave of the ocean. But you're not the ocean. But when we look down, we see we're all connected to the same water. We're all composed of the same water. And when that wave hits the beach, it disappears. No, it goes back into the water and new waves come up. Man. It's just beyond anything I could experience. Next question. So we're out of questions around the third step, basically. Um, there is a couple of kind of related questions that came up on last, if you want to if you want to oh, hear. Okay. About 10 more minutes and that's it. Sure. So, I mean, the questions are kind of similar from two different people. One person was asking about how to turn off the movie once it starts. And the other person was asking about how to not objectify people. <laughs> about objectifying people. I do the essay salute. I block the view. People want all these sophisticated, esoteric answers. <laughs> I block the view. I used to pick up hitchhikers. If I see a speck on the road, I block it. If I don't see it, it doesn't exist. Um, I move my chairs. Sometimes all I have to do, if there's someone in a meeting who's a potential trigger, sometimes all I have to do is move my chair a fraction of an inch, taking the action to stop the chemistry of the room changing. If that doesn't work, I will change where I'm sitting. My brain will say, oh, you can't, so you'll embarrass the person sitting opposite you. I say, no, I'm not going to listen to you, brain. And I change my seat. I've had sex with so many people in the past that these people would show up at SA meetings. I'd go to another room or ask for another room. This happens, by the way, in lots of families where you'll have more than one member of a family in a room. You just ask for the meeting to be split in two. It's a selfish program that makes us selfless. Paradox. Um, about the thoughts, it's too late once it's a motion picture. <laughs> the minute it's the photograph, you can't stop the photograph from coming in. The moment I see the photograph, I use the 18-wheeler. God, whatever it is I'm looking for in her and him, may I find in you. I'm very explicit. I'll even say the part of the body. 
or God, may you free that person on acting out on their lust like you have freed me from acting out on mine. Or you, if you're not into S&M, you use a rubber band. The brain does not like that feeling. The movie will probably respond to the rubber band. We'd have a whole load of rubber bands in a bag in our clubhouse in Nashville. Okay. Any other questions? Doesn't look like it. Oh. One last question that popped in. Do you have to have a well-defined spiritual experience to be in true recovery? Beautiful. See, that's all program words. True recovery. True. Who defines this stuff? We have no leaders. We have no organization, basically, who could tell us what to do and really enforce it. What does true mean? And yet, that's what we're taught. We're the true religion. We're the true form of government. Now, what does Roy say? Progressive victory over loss. True recovery, progressive victory over loss. To see the progress. To see where we were yesterday, where we are today. My sponsor would say, never compare your program with someone else's program. Compare your program with where you were last week or last month or last year. Not with someone else. Just let me tell you, you can't believe what people tell you a lot of times anyway in this program. We're liars. A lot of people say they're sober and they're going wild acting out. To thine own self be true. Self-honesty. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.